0: Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute.
1: Every leader needs to pray. The best gauge of how much we can stand for is the dignity of the one before whom we kneel. Prayer is the heart of leadership because it preserves the heart of the leader and the inner spirit that soars towards God can transform the world as needed. One of the most powerful prayers for leaders is the prayer of the Litany of Humility, and I'm looking forward to sharing about it with you. So we've had many occasions to talk about the importance of prayer. Our Lord himself prayed. And he prayed in public, he prayed at night, he prayed in the day, he prayed in the morning, he prayed in the evening. Throughout the Bible, you could look at the many different places where Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, prayed. But he's not the only one. Of course, Solomon prayed, David prayed, Abraham prayed. You go through the Bible, every single ruler who's depicted in the Bible is depicted as praying in the Bible. And this is obviously a lesson for us who are leaders in different forms, leaders in homes, leaders in business, leaders in our world, that the, the power of prayer is essential. And I want to emphasize why, and I want to go into why, uh, because if we don't understand why we need to pray what we'll end up doing is just, we'll, we'll just say, it's, we're too busy. It's a very nice thing. It's something I never understood. I'm not a monk. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like, it's interesting because as a priest, I talk with people all the time who do this. We start off with saying, well, it's very nice. I just don't have time. And then you end up with saying, "It actually doesn't apply to me. Right. You start off by saying, you know, and we do this with confession. We do this with going to mass. Oh no, I'll get to mass. Yes. Yes. On Easter, I'll go to mass very important oh i wish i could go more often and then after a while you're just like i'm not even gonna have my kids baptized because i'm just you know what's the point of all of this and you go so far because it's like a slippery slope and i think it's very similar when it comes to prayer right we start off just by giving ourselves excuses for this or that we know we're very busy we've got a lot of things to do and you end up by saying you know what i'm just not a monk you know And so I pray in my own way, which is like what people say, you know, it's like, well, I go jogging and I look at the trees, you know, (laughs) I think it's fine. I don't want to make fun of joggers look at trees. It's just great. There's trees and you're jogging and you can honestly have a great conversation with God when you're working out. I understand that very, very well. You know, your heart is kind of revealed and you're there and you're striving and you're talking to God as you're working out. It's fine. I just want to point out to you, though, that there's a depth to prayer that you cannot get to when you're listening to your heart as you're working out and looking at the trees. That's a very good thing. You need to do it, you know. Go for your dog walks and talk to your dog, you know. Just just remember that dog is God spelled backwards, okay? So at the same time, be careful about it. But in all seriousness, I I want you to, you know, just to— at the same time, ask yourself, can't I go deeper? I mean, what did the monks discover that you don't know? Why would you write yourself off and say, I excel at everything else and I'm not gonna excel at prayer. I'm really awesome at accounting, I'm an amazing, I've got a great business instinct, I'm a finance genius, you know, etc. But when it comes to God, I'm actually just a novice and that's somehow okay. What if I were to say, what if it, why isn't it okay for you just to say, you know what? I'm lousy at finances and business. I just but boy, I'm I'm a star when it comes to my family. Well, you'd say, well, I mean, no, like I've been trained, I've worked, I needed to learn the skills in order to succeed in this world. And then I would say, yes, but be very careful because can you say you've succeeded in this world If your soul isn't alive, if your soul is not succeeding and growing and your relationship with God is not growing in a serious way, I mean, every single day, if you're not becoming holier, well, my friends, like, are you really succeeding? I mean, we're really good at the different things that we do in our day, but those different things don't constitute the essential And they certainly don't constitute the maximal, you know, you, you, the real essence of us as human beings, can you say that your work really defines you? We know that it defines a lot of you and it's not bad at all. It defines the time of our day. It defines the parameters of our operation. It defines the challenges that we have to overcome. It it defines, you know, a, a certain gift to our society. I mean, I'm all for it. It's great. I want to say it's a both and to say that the greatness that you take into the workplace actually prepares you. It actually prepares you for the greatness that you can take into prayer. In other words, your relationship with God doesn't stifle all of your other activities and it certainly doesn't discredit them or take away their value. No, no, no. But but I'll tell you what, your relationship with God does, it infuses everything else that you do, including your business and your work and your finances, it infuses them with a transcendent meaning, number one, and then number two, with a limitless trajectory. When you could actually say, I engage in business because I am seeking to offer a sacrifice of praise to my God, that you're going to therefore engage in your business with this, with a an attitude, you know, that far surpasses your peers around you who are doing it just for money, you know, because they're going to sh- sell short all kinds of different things. They're also going to bypass a lot of the splendors of the day. I mean, what an attitude to wake up and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a lot of money today. Like, that you can do that when you're 26 and you're like, oh, that is so great, you know? But when you're like 56 and you've made a lot of money, you kind of start to ask yourself, is this really what it's all about, right? And, and, I, and I think that there's a moment there where God comes knocking at the door of a lot of us to say, it's not what it's all about. Like, you were made for more. You need your skills and you need your drive and you need your opportunities. Work is a beautiful gift that God gave to man, and he gave it to man before the fall, okay? Because it's by work that we glorify God. I get this. But we lose track of it because of sin and because of ourselves, and we actually diminish work into just being about something that's material, I make a lot of money so I can go skiing in Vail in the Christmas time with my family. And then we sit around and maybe we have a good Christmas. Maybe we don't. My kids don't talk to me anymore. They all have their phones. They all, you know, and, and so, but they're all skiing in Vail and it's thanks to what I do. And then as you're skiing in the snow, you're like, is this really why I did everything that I did? Is this really why I sacrificed so much? I want to say, no, it's not. It doesn't mean that you have to deny that. You know, as a matter of fact, if you go into Vail, please swing by Denver and come to our center and take me with you skiing. I'd love to go. (laughs) You know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that you were made for more. You were made to do all of that as an act of humble service that connects you with the divine, that connects you with the infinite. In other words, I'm called... To be a friend of God as I work and labor in His service for the betterment of this world, and it 's the same for those of you who have a family. I mean, you could just say, no, 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 God is going to take away my kids, God is going to call one of them to be a priest or you know, if my spouse loves God more than me, then i 'm going to be jealous you know there 's all kinds of those type of scenarios that happen in people 's lives Or, you know like i 'm scared i 'm scared to follow God because it, Bad things happen to people when they follow God, right? They have all these different things. It's the same thing. My friends, a family that's not given the trajectory of God is a family that will fold in on itself eventually and turn into selfishness. Unity of a family is guaranteed by a family that is looking beyond itself, seeing a mission that's bigger than itself, and there's no bigger mission than the mission of glorifying God, being found with God, uniting ourselves with God. I mean, what are the message to give to your children, you know? This family exists to catapult you into a relationship that continues through all of your life and into heaven with the most high God. He is the center of this family. He is its purpose, he is its unseen guest. It's amazing, right? Like your kids are going to be like walking with a little bit more pride saying, this is amazing. I'm just so glad to be a member of this family because my family is going towards God. Where's your family going? And then, if, well, you know, we're going on vacation. Well, I mean, that's fine. But like, we're going somewhere beyond just on vacation. We're going somewhere through our vacations and we're going somewhere through our labors and through our clean houses And that's my job as the leader of this house and leader of this family. It's to lead us to the heights and not to the depths. (laughs) But how in the world are you going to lead people to the heights if you yourself aren't praying, right? You're not. That's why the leader needs to pray because everybody is going where you're leading and you yourself will only be able to lead where you are going. Right. So if you are going towards money, everyone around you will be going towards money. I mean, money alone. Right. Because other are going towards money. But like, you know, it's just like there's something more at the same time. If you are only going towards a worldly uh, opinion about yourself. I mean, you know, the greatest thing you could do is win an Emmy. But it's really that so great to win an Emmy. You know, there not there something more? There's a lot of people that win Emmys, that win Nobel Prizes, who aren't happy in life. And there's a heck of a lot of people who actually will never be recognized by anybody, but who are the envy of the world because of the life that they have inside. What's that difference? The difference is how deep your goal and purpose is. And the leader who prays makes their purpose as deep as God himself, and their goal as high as his heavens. This, in fact, is an enviable position.
0: Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. Well, here I am preaching to you all about
1: prayer and I realize that we haven't yet prayed. So why don't we bow our heads together, just invoke the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, speak into our hearts your words. Make holy our lives. Lift up our minds from everything that's purely mundane. Restore in us the desire for God. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, so, you know, so that you could say, well, then how can I lead? I want to give you, this is the first of of a series that I'd like to do with you on great prayers for business leaders. And when I say business leaders, I mean moms too, because you're running your domestic business or stay-at-home dads, you know, I mean leaders of all stripes, but I love to always speak to business leaders in particular just because no one else seems to want to. (laughs) And I don't know why that is. I think that, you know, there's a, a radical, you know, lack of appreciation. I think a lot of people have towards what it takes to really push forward in business. And I'm such an admiring fan of all of you that I, you know, that I, that I, I speak to this, but this applies equally to everybody who's in a position of authority. And the very first one I want to talk to you about is called the Litany of Humility. The Litany of Humility, you can find this on the internet, you can find this, it's kind of growing in popularity Uh, You can find it in different books. You can find it in prayer books. The Litany of Humility, it was because it was published, just. it was republished just recently, uh, like in the late 80s. So in 1986, uh, it came out in the prayer book for the first time. And then just people started looking at it going, this is really cool. And then they would start to share it. So here we are 30 years later talking about the Litany of Humility and you can easily find it and it's growing. And, uh, you know, the the history of it is is a little bit confused. It was uh, attributed by C.S. Lewis in a letter that he wrote to Don Giovanni Calabria in 1948. He said, and he gave the story about this coming from a cardinal in the church named Raphael Mary de he lived 1865 to 1930. And Cardinal Duval was a very talented guy. He was like an athlete and he was just terrific and he excelled in everything. And one day it dawned on him that all of his gifts that he had could actually be his downfall. Meaning that if he wasn't careful, his gifts would get in the way of love. In other words, he could just be living more for himself and, and for his own exaltation than as a gift to other people. And so he was, of course, you know, rather startled by this. And so according to the story, he wrote this litany down and they discovered it in a prayer book after his death. Okay? That's one story. It turns out that perhaps that story you know, has some foundation. No one really knows. But in fact, there was a Litany to Obtain Holy Humility, as it was called, first published in 1867. And it was published by what's called an R.C. clergyman. Now, Duval was born in 65, so this couldn't have been written by Duval. R.C., a Roman Catholic clergyman, is all that it was signed, like an anonymous person. And then there's another version that's very similar to the litany that we have today. And that one says that it was translated from the French of the fifth edition. So basically, we don't know exactly the origin of the prayer. It looks like Cardinal Duval was simply using a prayer that he found. And maybe the rest of the story is true about his gifts, you know. But it's definitely true for us because we walk the fine line. In our leadership of having gifts and having to deploy those gifts and having to care for those gifts. If we didn't do that, we wouldn't be good leaders. You can't lead out of your faults and failings. You have to lead out of your excellence. But when you lead out of your excellence, isn't that self exaltation, right? Isn't that condemned by our Lord? How, I mean, you know what I mean? Like we're kind of stuck. You're darned if you do and if you're darned if you don't, because if on the one hand you actually take charge and say, I know how to do this and do it well, well, you know, you could be condemned for putting yourself in front of other people, self-exaltation, your ego could grow, you know. And, and then on the other hand, if you don't do it, well, you could be condemned for not using your talents. And I think it's in a sense, it's a real problem, but it's a false dichotomy. Because when you look at our Lord, he was the greatest man of all time, and he deployed all of his gifts at our service, and yet he remained completely humble. Humility of soul, which is commanded by us as a virtue, does not require us to hide our gifts. It doesn't require us to deny our gifts. It requires us to use our gifts for the good of others to put them before ourselves, not by hiding our own greatness, but by serving them by our greatness. You see, that's, and to do that, what we need is humility, and that's what this prayer teaches us.
0: Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at SaintJohnInstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. So, one of the most
1: remarkable things about the Litany of Humility that we have today is divided into two different parts. And the first part consists in asking Jesus to deliver us from things, and the second part is asking Jesus to give us things. Okay. And so we can just go through this, right? And and each of these different things we ask him to deliver us from are things that keep us from being great. This is what's so amazing about this prayer. The litany of humility actually could be called the litany of true greatness. And that's why I think it's particularly uh, poignant and fitting for leaders And I I speak about business leaders, it could be political leaders, it could be people engaged in the society in the way that you are. This prayer is exactly for you because it actually points out the ways that without knowing it, the usage of your gifts can actually be bogging you down, clogging you up, right? So you think that you're doing, using your gifts and therefore it's fine, but you aren't using your gifts to their maximum. Right? Your gifts would actually be better used and used even more purely, right? More accurately, more, more effectively when they are used based on humility. And so the whole beginning of this prayer takes the person and says, okay, let's purify. Your beautiful intention. You want to serve. You want to bring God. You want to bring change to this world. You want to affect everything for the better. Good, good job. So to do that, you need to be freed. From what? He says, from the desire of being esteemed. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. Now, again, it's very powerful because you're like, oh my goodness. Well, some of those don't seem to be so bad, like from the desire of being loved. We all need to be loved and we all need to want to be loved, right? It means it in the false way, like from the desire of being loved too much, or loved incorrectly, loved, you know, in a way that would actually not be true, deliver me. And we, if you're honest, you know, it's the same thing with being honored or being extolled. We all are fine with that. We're like, I mean, there's, there's no problem with being extolled and being honored. The saints are extolled. The saints are honored. Mary was extolled. My soul, you know, proclaims the greatness of the Lord. All generations will call me blessed. That in itself isn't the problem. It's when it's done wrongly. Okay. So when you're doing this litany, don't get caught up in saying, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be saying this because in fact, there's nothing wrong with being honored, nothing wrong with being loved. There isn't. But what he's saying is from the desire of being extolled wrongly or incorrectly, right? And when you think about it, there is, it's all in that word desire. There's a right way to desire love. And there's a, a false way to desire love. I could, in other words, go through my life and, and go through everything that I'm doing, desi- you know, desiring wrongly to be loved, wanting people to love me for me and, and like, as if like I'm trying to, to, to bring them underneath my influence. And if they escape from loving me, then I won't let, let them go, right? Like I'm kind of a possessive, clingy, And in the end, it's not even really love. It's like a manipulation, right? But it hides under the usage of love. And that's why it's like, be careful to make sure that we're doing this right. So when we're making this prayer, we're saying, Jesus, purify me. Deliver me from the desire of being approved, right? Because that can be like a shackle sometimes. We all need to be approved to a certain extent. We know that. There's nothing wrong with desiring to be approved. It's from a false desire of being approved, right? So, you you know, you can change this to say that, you know, so, you know, purify my desire of for approval. It's just that at the same time, it's very powerful to look at it as there can be this type of selfishness in our desires that can actually hold us back and we can't afford to be held back. My friends, you are the leaders that God has given to this world. We need you to move forward. And that's where at the end of this first section, then he's, he, he changes it into a positive prayer, meaning that others may be loved more than I. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be esteemed more than I. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be amazing if instead of jealousy and competition in our souls, there was actually this freedom that comes from humility? You know, Look, the, that others may become holier than I. Provided that I may become as holy as I should, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. We need this prayer. I recommend you guys praying this prayer at least once a week. It's a great way, thing to do on Fridays. Print it out, buy yourself a nice copy, put it on your desk so that every Friday you kneel down in your office and you say this prayer. I'm telling you, it'll make a huge difference. You will be a more effective leader when you are a holier leader. <laughs> and your holiness directly comes from the usage of your gifts that humility allows. Humility doesn't break or put a break on you as a person. It actually unleashes you. A humble leader is a leader who deploys everything that they've got and never stops making it better because they're driven by love for others and not self-glorification, right? And when a leader is able to really do that, then they pattern, they're just like Jesus Christ. So this litany of humility is a terrific tool to grow in that humility, to be freed from all the things that, that actually keep us in fear and in darkness, and to let the light of Christ shine through us the way he wants us to.
0: Share great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at saintjohninstitute.org. That's info at saintjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, EagleEiministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.